everybody welcome to the 247th edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage chilling here we are podcasting directly after the uh the blazers lost to the denver nuggets so uh yeah uh the season's over and we have a long off season ahead of us long interesting off season comes at the hands of the Denver Nuggets. They take the series four games to two, defeating the Blazers 126 to 115, taking game six and the series. I'm, I'm really not uh, upset. And it was funny when, when you were, I was walking out the arena and you texted me and you said, Hey, enjoy your night. We can record again. I was like, I was kind of bummed. I was like, okay, like if if that's what you want, that, that that's fine. Like I enjoy one, I get to see your face and I get to interact with you. Like my best bud, we're talking about something that I love. Like, you know, we lost, but this is one of the reasons why I'm a fan is so we can, we can talk about it. We can dissect what happened, what went wrong. What's there to look forward to? Like, this is kind of my, this is very cathartic for me in case our listeners don't know. It's, it's really cathartic to just get it out talk about it. And it really helps. I think, you know, just move forward and, and you know, look, look at the bright side, look at the off season, look at what's going to happen next because can't dwell on the past. The past already happened. Can't change it. No matter how hard you try, there's not an 85 DeLorean out there. We can go back to game two and, you know, try and take advantage of our one Oh series lead. Can't go back and, and draft Durant or Jordan. It, it just doesn't happen. You have to move forward. And so this is what this podcast gives me. So I kind of uh, guilted Sage into it. Oh my God. Yeah, you absolutely did. I did. I was trying yeah. to, uh, you know, be a good friend because you uh, are more emotional about this team. So, uh, you know, I wanted to respect your feelings. If like you were actually bummed, I didn't want to force you to be on a podcast to talk about how bummed you were. Cause that just seems like a shitty thing to do to, uh, you know, have you express pain at a thing that, <laughs> is very timely like now that now that the blazers are eliminating there is no like rush to be the first one out there type of shit now it's just like well we can chill but eh, you know i'm i'm here and it's 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 different this isn't losing every year since 77 the blazers ha- haven't ended the season as, as victors you know 29 teams end as losers that that's just the nature of 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 the beast and this wasn't like 2000, wasn't like 99, like it wasn't even like 2019. Like the stakes weren't that high. And this team proved time and time again who they are. So the result didn't surprise me. And, and I'll tell you something, Sage. I was, I went to the game with Olga and I was, you know, I was like, okay, we, we're going to force a game seven. That, that, that should be fun on Saturday. Up 14 in the third quarter, role players are hitting threes. Everything's looking good. And then Yusuf Nurkic does it again. He picks up bunches of fouls, including a charge, and he had to go out of the game. And I, I turned to Olga, and I was like, we're going to lose this game. And I think we still had like a seven, eight-point lead. But you can just – you could sense the collective fandom, the team just deflate. And you're like, here we go again. 
Monte Morris hitting that running three at the end of the third quarter only cemented those feelings. And Portland fought valiantly, but it was only a matter of time before Denver you know, just overtook us. I think we were mentally drained after game five. And to be quite honest, I, I think game three was the deciding factor. Anytime you're an underdog in terms of seeding and you go on the road to the first two games and you take one of them and you don't come home and protect home court advantage, you're just not going to win the series. You, you have to, once you steal home court, you have to protect it for dear life because then that means you have to go and win another road playoff game. And, and that is just incredibly rare to win two road playoff games. It just doesn't happen very often. And, you know, we, we saw the, the, what happened in game six was really a, a, just a carbon copy of what we've seen throughout the series. Portland, wh- whether it was foul trouble for Nurk, not taking care of the ball, or just their shooters not being able to hit shots, they weren't able, outside of game four, they did not put together a, a solid game uh, of this series. And I'm, I'm very surprised that, that we're here talking about, you know, Denver, this Denver team, down three, three really good players, losing 4-2. Like, this should have been a quick series. And it's unfortunate because the Lakers are going to lose in the first round. The Clippers are on the ropes. And this, the Warriors are dinged up. Luka's pretty young. Like, th- there's no better opportunity for a team to just, the doors open in the West to make a finals appearance. Hats off to whoever it is, but it's not going to be our Blazers. And that's really unfortunate because our, our window of being elite or having a chance to be elite is, is, is closing. It's closing very quickly. With all of the reasons that you just laid out, it would have been a good thing for uh, the Blazers to play competent basketball for uh, some of those games, and we didn't. And so that's another opportunity lost. And, you know, you have, you can expect big changes coming. So, you know, this was an end of an era. And I know a lot of people are uh, starting to realize that. And they're, uh, you know, they're, they're feeling some sort of way about it. But, you know, the, the it sucks to see it end. But I have a feeling that there's going to be a lot of wholesale changes with this team. And we might not recognize what what will be on the floor in the fall. Before we kind of look ahead, I, I do want to discuss game six a, a little bit in something that, that I noticed sitting up in 322. And the Blazers defensively, again, it, it was an issue. You give up 126 points to Denver, especially without Jamal Murray. Michael Porter Jr. had 22 points in the first quarter. Jokic picks up two quick fouls, and he was able to keep them within striking distance. And it was uh, frustrating to me to see two things happen. One, we continuously switch the pick and roll again, allowing Denver to get the matchups that they desired. And two, putting Norman Powell in in a really unfavorable matchup. You know, he's 6'3", 6'4", Porter's damn near 6'10". I don't care how long Norman's wingspan is. Porter Jr. is an incredible athlete. He can just rise up and shoot over the top. And that's what he was doing. Like I felt like we should have made the adjustment. Um, And then the second thing, Terry ran our players into the ground uh, just 48 hours after Dame plays like 50 minutes. 
He's out there playing 43 minutes again, really played the entire second half. CJ plays 38. Rocco plays 38. Uh, we really only play seven guys. If you you know look at, at Mello and, and Anthony, Hulse Jefferson plays under 10 minutes. Uh, I just really thought that you're at game six of a high-intensity series. you got the players giving everything they have. Derek Jones Jr., Nasir Little, like let's – let's at least give them two to three minute chunks so we can re-energize. Like you're, you're not going to win in today's NBA playing eight players. It's just not going to happen. And I thought for Terry being known as a player's coach and that being one of his, his strengths, I thought he really let his team down with the lack of trust that he had in, in some, some players. And you, you look at, at Denver's coach, Mike Malone, he goes in and he runs with maybe because he was forced to, you know, no Dozier, no Barton, no Murray. Maybe he was forced to play Marcus Howard or Shaq Harrison or Monty Morris. I, I know Morris plays a lot of minutes, but he played a lot of, of minutes. Like Malone trusted his guys and they delivered. I, I would have liked to have gone down swinging with just more than an eight man crew. Uh, I So I thought the game strategically was lost due to, to coaching. Like we, we got out, out coached this series and it's, it's, it's a little bit, it's not surprising. And this isn't trying to be slanderous to, to coach thoughts, but it just, I think it, it is what it is. So we, we all saw it unfold for six games, but we've seen this shit unfold for 72. We run light rotations and we play our stars a lot. He plays his guy Thibodeau minutes. I've mentioned it on like half of the podcast, like, most teams run like a 32 minute for their starters and we run to 36, 37 and our guys run a lot. So those legs deal with more action because Stotts doesn't trust his guys. Like for the first part of the season, you and I had a, a, a at least a five minute argument about Aunt Anthony Simons playing five minutes. I mean, we don't play uh, our bench players. It's been a thing forever. And then adjusting to uh, circumstances, it's always been a weakness. So for me, we lost because this, these are the habits that the Blazers have had for this year and years in the past. Like, I thought sucks, it was that is what it is. Unfortunate that Anthony Simons played such a strong first half, three of three, all three from downtown. And I don't think he, he sniffed the court in, in the fourth quarter. Um, that to me was kind of, a slap in the face to Ant. Like he was actually one of our role players, our shooters that was hitting his shots. And you're just going to not trust him to get it done. And I think that has been, I mean, we, we talked, I, it was God knows how many episodes ago it was. I mean, we do this, you know, every week and now every game after the postseason. but we talked about like, what is the root of this team's problems? And, and I think trust, communication, accountability, and discipline that you can really go back to those four pillars and Portland didn't have it for the majority of the season. And that's unfortunate given how, you know, tight of a knit bunch they are. <sighs> it just, has, Terry Stotts, has he run a deep rotation ever? Like in, in the, his time with Portland, it's mostly he did before players. I would say the last two weeks of the season. And then once Derek got out of the rotation, it kind of kicked Nas out of the rotation as well. But so, but Damon CJ played yes a lot of minutes. Yes. And 
even when our team had like minutes restrictions that were were published, if we, it was a competitive game and that player was hot, he played them more than the allowed minutes that they were limited. The only time he hadn't was for Nurkic. That's been a problem with Terry Stotts for God knows how long. Like th- this is these are Terry Stotts' problems with his philosophies and how he deploys his resources per game when putting X number of minutes with Dame, CJ, and Norm together. Like these are this this, this shit's this shit's been an issue for for multiple years. And and I think there was something going on behind the scenes, whether the pressure got to this team, knowing that that it is an end of an era, whether the uncertainty surrounding Terry Stotts hung over the team like a dark cloud. Um, Sean Hyken, I believe from Bleacher Report, um, tweeted out uh, a couple of quotes that I want to get to from Yusuf Nurkic. He says, my contract is non-guaranteed. So I'm, I don't know if I'll be back. I'll let Rich Paul, my agent, figure that out. I don't know if I'll be back. I don't know what the direction of the team will be. Um, asked by Mike Rich if he wants to be back, Nurkic said, in the right situation, yes. Asked what the right situation is, Nurkic responded, we'll see because this is not it. How do you feel about it's that? That's a direct fuck you to Stotts. <laughs> like, I... Mean, I you know, he he's on his uh, hit him up shit where he's like, fuck Terry Stotts as a crew. You know, if you're down with Terry Stotts, fuck you too. Like, how could that ta- be taken any other way than, you know, the coach had some fucked up ideas and I didn't really fucks with it. Like, that, at least that's how I take it. You might think it could be something related to the uh, the team that was surrounded him, but I feel like Nurk f- likes his guys so I think it's directed that coach for either being too risk averse with him or, you know, putting him in positions he doesn't want to be with. But how, Remind, how do you take those? Uh, those it reminds me of Suge Knight. I think it was at the Source Awards when he was like, if you want to, if you're an artist and you don't want your producer to be all up in the videos, come to death row. That, that's, that's what that signaled to, to me. I do... It doesn't surprise me. I mean, I think it was after the first Utah game in Utah where it was part of that back-to-back Utah-Phoenix road trip. We just got smoked twice. Mm-hmm. He says some spicy shit. He says some spicy shit. And one, I appreciate it. But two, it holds zero weight to me because Yusuf Nurkic is – he's a maddening player. I mean, when he's on and he's actually on the floor because he's not picking up fouls and bunches – we clearly have a good offense because he's a, he's a really good facilitator. He's probably the most pass first player we have outside of Damian Lillard. I would say he's more passive than Damian. Probably. Yes, you, you're correct. And two, he really anchors our defense, but you never know which Yusuf Nurkic you're going to get on a given night. Sometimes it takes an outside source to get him motivated he can be very sloppy with the basketball. God, we saw that tonight in the third quarter where he just basically handed it to Porter Jr. for, for a dunk. Um, he likes to there. fit it in that the small windows. And sometimes if, teams are just ready for that pass. If we talk, you know, Blazers playing too cool for school, I think Nurk's the champion of that club. I mean, you, you just don't know what you're going to get from him. So while I agree that the fit hasn't been great. This, the, what we're running, it hasn't been perfect. And there do need to be changes. 
I don't think Nurk is really the one that needs to be making those comments. They don't hold a lot of weight for me as a fan. Like when I was talking to Anise, a longtime listener, uh, he came up from SoCal at halftime. And I was like, I wish there was some wood to knock around, knock on, because at halftime, Nurk had no fouls. What, what happened? He picks up four fouls in the third quarter and just some stupid fouls away from the basket and easy charge. He just cannot foul. And you even go back to what the coaches say. What, what do the coaches tell him all season long? Don't reach in, Nurk. Don't reach in on defense. What does he do? I mean, he made that comment too, right before the Pacer game. What did he do that, that Indiana game? He reached in and he broke his wrist. So now you have a player who you don't know what you're going to get. And he does have durability issues, whether that's his fault or not. Like Nurkic is so important but he's also so inconsistent and that puts the front office in such a predicament because you're almost damned. If you do damned, if you don't with, with Yusuf. I mean, I think that for whatever team Yusuf is on, it could be Blazers. It could be somewhere else. The GM has to have a capable backup because of the issues that you just pointed out with the durability and then insurance policy. Yeah. I mean, it was it was Ennis who had was probably the best backup big. He has his deficiencies defensively, but he, He's a he good did a regular nice, season insurance policy. Yeah. So I, I think for team building, whatever it is, you have to invest in that quality backup center for Yusuf because availability has been an issue for him. There are times where he said he had like a month where he was one of the best producers of you know, statistics. And then there was four months where it was kind of like, hmm, you know who he reminds me of? Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball has yeah. a month where he is the illest, where I, where you, where you see like the stats and it's like amazing. And then it goes away and it doesn't come back. I mean, he, those two both have the consistencies issue. And then Yusuf also has the, uh, the uh, injury issues. And then another quote that I want to get to again, this time from Damian Lillard, again, for, from Sean Hyken after the game in the post game, a uh, media availability. He asked Dame if he thinks there needs to be changes. Dame responded, we didn't win a championship. So we are where we are right now isn't good enough if we can't get out of the first round against a team without two of their three or four best players. Uh, Dame sees it. Uh, I, I see it. Like there is no, there is no if ands or buts about this series. Sage, I think, I think this team, this core, got a pass for that Pelican series. Even though I think a lot of us were were hoping changes would would, would make. I think the bubble and what happened with the coronavirus and just the injury riddled season that we had last year, again, was kind of a mulligan coming off of the Western Conference Finals. But Sage, we're looking at a Blazer team that has only advanced out of the first round one time since 2016. And I would argue they were favored to beat the Pelicans. I think, in my opinion, and I, tr- I try to be pretty realistic, I think they should have defeated the Denver Nuggets in this series. I I agree with with Dame. Like I tweeted out the Blazers have to sell the farm, everything they have not named Damian Lillard to bring him another bonafide star top 15, top 10, however you want to, to uh, 
notate that player. It it, it doesn't matter. It has to be another all-star caliber player or you need to trade Damian Lillard and rebuild like the Thunder or the Rockets did. There is no other path. Damian Lillard is 31 years old. Who knows how much he has left in the tank in terms of, of elite status. But I think the franchise owes it to him to go out and put another star alongside of him. It has been six, seven years since he's played with an all-star. And that was LaMarcus Aldridge in 2015. That That's... That's insanity. You have the greatest player to ever don the red and black and you cannot get him help. That's, that's bullshit. The Blazers have to get it done for Dame because I'll tell you this right now, if the Blazers go into next season and they just maybe make a coaching change or just tinker with the roster, maybe a small Covington or Powell type of move, he's going to ask out next, next season. He'll do it quietly. He'll do it politely. He, he's not going to continue to be this good, good teammate, this good leader, and just, you know, kind of take it on the chin. Like he has an inner fire too. He knows how elite he is. He wants to win. And I believe that the, the, the front office, the GM specifically, Neil Olshay or whoever it is, they, they owe it to him. And so they, they better make a decision because this, the path we're on right now, it's, it's not going to lead us anywhere. I think the Blazers have been fence sitting for a long time they didn't want to do one of those two extremes where you push in all your chips and this is this is you know the Joel Embiid or whoever whatever major star they've been Uh, fence sitting since since LaMarcus left yeah I mean so here's here's my thing I think the Blazers goal was to make money and go to the playoffs Dame's greatness makes it so that's an irresponsible goal. If Dame was just an all-star and we made the playoffs seven years in a row, that's successful. Like as a small market team, that's successful. But because Damian Lillard is a top five player, like top five MVP candidate, you can't be fence sitting. You have to do one of the two extremes. Like there is no more fence sitting. Pick a path, pick a path, Blazers management. It's either we're going to go all out and try and get, a superstar, and I don't mean Demonis a bonus, I mean like a legit, or we trade Dame and start over and try and get Kate Cunningham and whatever. Those are the two options. No more fence-sitting. It's, it's been irresponsible because of how good Damian Lillard is. We've seen it. We've seen that his ceiling is higher than damn near everybody else. He's probably the most entertaining player in the league. Like, no one else outside of Curry can make those shots. And Curry can't drive to the lane like Dame does. So, yeah, I, I, th- I think what the Blazers' ideas of, you know, consi- consistent success is great. But when you have a player this good, you can't afford to just be a fence-sitting, middle-of-the-road team that had a one solid year and then has been getting skunked the rest of the time that they've made the playoffs. I, I mean, I think game five really cemented that. Yeah, when you, you, can't, you can't disrespect someone with that ceiling. Like, Arguably what, what we watched was... Playoff performance of all time. Yeah, that what we watched was NBA 2K takeover mode for a sustained 10 minutes. You can't afford to treat that, that ceiling and that person who can do that for your team with... Uh, we're going to fence it and not make a move. 
it's 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 one of those two options. So are we are we are we going for Kate Cunningham or are we going for some superstar? Because the West, the West is still open. West, but the West is getting better. Like New Orleans isn't going to suck next year. There's te- Memphis is going to get better. Like the teams are improving. So if we're going with the we're going to take option A and compete. We can't, we can't be halfway crooks about it. We have to actually do our thing. And this is maybe like our my 10th Mob Deep reference this podcast in this history, but... I fuck with it. Hey, <laughs> I mean, yo. So it, it can't... We can't not do everything we can get to get Dame the ring. It's irresponsible. As a lifelong fan, if it's option A go all in or option B rebuild like, like the thunder and rockets did. I'm taking a every time Sage. One thing this pandemic has taught me and it was one of the reasons why I'm not really that upset right now is anything in life can be taken away from you at, at any given moment. So it was, it was really nice to be able to watch live basketball again, knowing that that, is actually going to be on the table. Like I thought for a while it it would never happen or it would take years for it to come back. I am mid thirties, wasn't alive to see Walton, was just a little young in when Clyde and Terry were were tearing up up the league. I've actually got to witness Damian Lillard from the jump, like all in every, every playoff game he's been in, never missed a game. Transcendent is is an understatement. Greatest trailblazer of all time. Do you know how hard it is to find a player like that? Even if you get the number one pick, it's not guaranteed. You have Damian Lillard, top five player in the league. Someone who's loyal, loyal to the soil. Great leader. Won the teammate of the year award. You do whatever humanly, legally possible it is to put other elite talent around him. I will say this. I will go on record right now. If we have to do what the Bucks did to get Drew Holiday or what the Clippers did to get Paul George, sell the future because you're, we may never see another Damian Lillard. Yeah, That's- I mean, there's only there's only one Dame. So do what you have to do. And you know it sucks. We don't have that many picks. But you the, the Blazers have to do what they will have to do to surround him with elite talent. And we, we've done a, a pretty shitty job of doing that thus far in his career. All right, Sage, let's get to um, some fan questions right now. Uh, let's get to yours first that you texted over. Not my question, but some, yes, someone asked me. Uh, thank you again. Uh, Dana Ramoni has been, been on it with, with the questions, uh, especially as of late. So appreciate it. Dana says, for the pod. With Stotts almost a certainty to go, who makes the decision on whether Olshay goes or not? Is it Judy Allen or Jody Allen, excuse me, or is it the brain trust in Seattle, the Vulcans? Seems like Neil has Jody in his pocket. That That is a fantastic question and something Olga and I were discussing as we drove home from the game. It's just like, that's kind of where it feels a little uncertain to me is because like with Paul Allen gone now for almost three years, like who's really making that call? Is it Burt Cold, who's been Paul Allen's right hand man since he purchased the team, and I think eighty eight or eighty nine? Does Jody have the the wherewithal or the, the you know that just the the really the the basketball savviness to, to make that? Like 
who who's really making the call so to, to answer I, I i don't know no one knows the blazers are so goddamn secretive about everything like the only thing that we know as fans was Yusuf Nurkic's minutes limit that they actually respected. So, if, like, I don't know who the defensive uh, head coach of this team is because they don't express it. There is very little transparency. So you have to uh, you have to uh, imagine that the high, the most important person, the owner or whatever is at the head of it all, is making that final decision. So I don't know. I don't think the Blazers want fans to know this. While I do agree Stotts is a certainty to go, I wouldn't be surprised if Olshay. You had your eight years, and thank you for your service. Yeah, I I think it appears that he may be in in their their front pocket just because he's always chummy. Neil kind of – Neil, Neil gives off that that salesman salesman vibe, but it wouldn't surprise me if they let him go. I, I think they take a hard look at Masai Ujiri from Toronto, who is a free agent in terms of, of a general manager. There's a um, lot of good potential GMs out there. It's like there's a lot of good coaches out there. There's a lot of good potential general managers out there. When so we the can, report, you don't have to be hard stuck on well, Neil's been here for X amount of years, so we trust him. There's a lot of smart people in this world that know a lot about basketball. So don't think that I don't want people to think we're hard stuck with Neil. Yeah, I don't think we are either. I mean, even when Chauncey Billups' name was floated as a head coaching uh, candidate, Chauncey has been linked to front office position mm-hmm. beforehand. So it could be someone like Sharif Al Durahim yeah. is like a very wanted commodity in the general manager circle. So, and who saw Danny Ainge stepping down and Brad Stevens going mm-hmm. to the front office. So like shit is shit happens, man. The Blazers have to be flexible with what they do with their team. So I, I like, there's a chance that both get fired. I would say it's probably 99 to a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent that Terry's going to get fired. Uh, but yeah. that's my prediction. We'll probably definitely podcast whenever that, that happens. I think Neil's a 50-50 at this point. Um, he may be able to swindle his way into another year. Another year of very hot a very hot seat. Very hot seat. I, I think his hand is going to be forced to go all in with, with Lillard. Again, the roster was talented. It was imbalanced. It should have never came to this, though. Portland, with the state of the Western Conference, should have had a better seed. They they, sh- they should be where, where Utah and Phoenix is right now. I will argue that till I'm blue in the face. But Neil has fucked up. He he hasn't done enough. Yeah, he has. So just because we should be where Utah or Phoenix is doesn't mean that he's done a, a great job. He's done an okay job. And it's he's been a so mediocre GM that knows how to sweet talk people into thinking that he knows what the fuck he's talking about. Like, don't trust him. Ryan at time fleeting 34 says it's been too long with the entire uh, core infrastructure. Dame is almost 31. He has probably two or three elite years left. If we want, if he wants to go, they should honor that and move him to a contender. Absolutely. Everything should be on the table. No gray area. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. He was drafted in 2012. It's 2021, right? So he's been with the team and been a good, good, a fucking fantastic part of the community and team. He has been the best blazer ever. We have done a really shitty job of putting a competent team 
for him. If he wants a trade, fucking make the trade. We fail them. So if he wants to go, it's going to hurt and it's going to suck. But if I was a general manager, I would respect that decision. And yeah, that's a caveat for me. Like contenders don't usually have young, they don't have the assets. So also, I'm all for respecting Dame and getting him to a place, but I swear to God, if we make another Clyde Drexler for a fucking first round pick and Otis Thorpe type of trade, it's I'll got to. How many first round picks? It has to be what the Clippers got for Paul George or what they gave up for Paul George. Damian, so Barrett. like three picks and then pick swaps. Yeah, and I want a young star. Actually, like, that's what Drew Holiday got. So you got to expect it's five. Yeah, I want I want I want two first round picks every year for a decade. But again, I, I don't think Dame Dame is asking out. I, I think Dame wants to win in Portland. He wants that Dirk championship. Yeah, he he's not. a different type of cat. Uh, he also added. Uh, Ryan added. If Dame stays, then we all can agree Stotts needs to be replaced. Yes, Stotts needs to be that. replaced regardless of Damian yes. Lillard's decision. And core roster changes need to occur. Obviously. Uh, first question: Definitely re-sign Norman Powell. I want you to have the first crack of this because you've been uh, probably a, the bigger Powell fan. Uh, of yeah, the I think punch. he's great. So he makes eleven million this year. He has a player option for eleven million. Sage, the question: Resign him? Yes or no? And what level of financial commitment would you be okay with? Hmm. In this scenario, CJ is gone, right? Yes, I don't think Portland can do. The we three can't guard do the three guard there. lineup with yeah. how small we are. So, oh, Dame, Dame CJ Norm, excuse me. So, seventeen percent of the salary cap. I would say, yeah, you, you bring him back. He fits with the timeline. You can't lose Norm for nothing. Uh, but and I would, CJ for nothing. I would be comfortable. He, he was making eleven. 15 to 18 range. I mean, he didn't blow my socks off in, in the playoffs, but uh, I would like to give him a full season in, in Portland. Uh, I think he's kind of got the mentality that we need. And you, again, the three guard lineup just didn't work. They were all a little too ball dominant. So you said 18 million, 15 to 18, 15. That's, that's 50. That's 70% of the salary. Yeah, I, I would really be tentative to go much higher than that. Then you start to look at like, because CJ or, and Dame are, 47% of the salary cap. There definitely is a limit to how much I would pay Norman Powell. I don't know who, we don't even know who the GM is going to be, but I, I think that if we, if, if CJ has gone, we should keep Norman. Yeah. You have to keep one of the two. So he has multiple questions with this. The next one trade CJ for three that implements roster balance. Um, I don't know. The problem with with CJ McCollum is he makes a lot of money, and he twenty two percent of our salary. He's he's locked into a long term deal. Uh, I believe the extension kicks in this summer, and he's an undersized too. I do think he will flourish when he's not playing alongside Lillard. They're just so similar. Um, I, I don't know. I think CJ's the, the big question. I, I love him and I appreciate everything he's done for this team, but I think the Blazers do need to move in another direction. I think CJ needs to move in another direction. I think mm-hmm. it would be good for him to kind of 
lead his own team. I I have no idea what that looks like. Is are you able to do a package CJ plus picks to get that star? Do you have to trade CJ for cap space? I, I don't know what that looks like. I would assume it's going to be for a forward or a center because you've already hypothetically got Damon Powell locked in. So that would that would be where I would be heading. I mean, it's about who's available that's a star. So as long as it's not a point guard, I, I would take if if if, D, if CJ can net us something really special, you figure everything else out. And before we move forward with with the rest of of Ryan's question, I want to say like I thought it was uh, bullshit. The fans were, were booing CJ uh, when he exited the game. Uh, it wasn't a lot, but I definitely heard it from from my section. I understand he he played poor th- this series and he didn't play to the level that he could be this season, especially coming back from the injury. But CJ has been a model citizen on and off the court. Um, he's been a champion for you know social justice. He he is. He's been here. I mean, for since since day one, 2013 is when he was drafted. He kind of got thrusted into the lineup next to Dame, and they really flourished. Uh, so instead of like being frustrated, think of the good times that he provided. That the the Western Conference Finals run doesn't happen yeah, without, without CJ without CJ McCollum. I mean, he fucking we, we don't even get to the we don't make the playoffs if CJ doesn't come back. He fucking played with a broken back in the bubble. Mm. Just think about that. A team that had zero chance to do any goddamn thing. He played with a broken back to get us just into the first round of the fucking playoffs. So show some damn respect. Like be be better than that. Like CJ is a good fucking dude. And I really appreciate everything he's done. I mean, he's really fucking good at his profession too. He had some bad games to his standard, but he's better than like fucking... 90% of the humans at his job. Yeah, he's, don't, he's a don't good basketball. Isn't he the that. fourth be- best scorer in Blazers playoff history? Yes. Doesn't that like he is a good basketball player? Like you yeah, can be frustrated all you want. The extension. So he finishes the question. Ryan does any other roster moves that no doubt need to be made. Um, I'll, I'll kick that off. I, I think it, one, it depends on, it depends on coaching and GM. So I don't know. It depends on coaching, but it also depends. We have some options. Um, Derek Jones jr. Can, can opt in or opt out of his contract. You have uh, Zach Collins. Who is he going to come back? He'll he's a restricted free agent. Uh, both Carmelo and Ennis Cantor are free agents. Norman Powell has a player option. So, you really have to see where these. First of all, you have to decide uh, with with the player options: are they coming back? Or are they are they not? And then you kind of have to go um, from there. We will really get more in depth in the off season. We'll have an off season pod. You know, we'll probably do one once the Terry news breaks, and then we'll probably give it a week or two and really go into detail. We did last year about who are some of our uh, free agent targets would be our trade targets. We'll really break it down. Uh, this episode really isn't the time and the place to do it. We just, you know, wanted to react to the game six uh, performance and then kind of go into a little bit about what was said uh, post game. And I'm going to write some blogs about potential coaches and general managers as well. So people can be more coaches and general managers. Uh, Rip city. Robin wants to know who should go first, not who will, who should go first Stotts or or both, and this may be a little teaser for your blog stage, who would you bring in? Both at the same time. 
And then I would bring in Charles Lee and hmm. Since I mentioned him already, Sharif will do Raheem. Masai Ujiri. Like if he's available, you give him a billion dollars. That 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 would be the biggest free agent signing in, in Blazer franchise history. Coaching, I'll trust you with Charles Lee, but I also want to interview Becky Hammond. I love the Spurs system and Ime Udoka. Uh Port- all three uh, I'd write about. Yeah, Portland's. Uh, I would throw Darvin Ham and Adrian Griffin as well. Yeah, the Milwaukee Bucks have a really good coaching staff. Toronto as well. Raptors do too. So I, I would love to see what what those what those players can do. I, I honestly would probably stay away from David Vanterpool. I know a lot of that's a lot of like emotional baggage coming from that one. I I want to see somebody with completely fresh eyes mm-hmm. evaluate this roster. I I don't want there to be any inherent biases. Um, and I think Vanderpool just, you know, subconsciously would have those biases. So absolutely. Um, I'm sure he'll get an interview, but I, I don't want it to be Vanderpool just because he was a former coach. Well, not a question, but a, a comment and it's fabulous. So it's from Justin B leak said, thanks to you. Holy backboard for kicking out the sick ass pod every week through this wild ass season. You rule. That's all I've got. I'm wrecked. Appreciate it. You have no idea how I feel. <laughs> I appreciate you, Justin. Thank you so much. I mean, we, we do it for our listeners. We do it for ourselves, but we also do it for everyone else. It gives gives us something to look forward to, to listen to. And, uh, you know, we're all in this together. That's the, the great thing about um, this fan base. Looks like we have one final question. Not really a question, but it's just a, a comment. Uh, some similar things we've seen. It's from... At, at Woo the Ruler, sorry if I uh, mispronounced your handle, but says, I think it's time to trade CJ and package him with somebody else to get another all-star. We, we've kind of covered that and there are in agreement. We need a new coach, uh, check. And maybe we need to trade Nurkic too. Um, I, I want to touch on, on the Nurkic uh, part of that statement. I was, uh, so I was making a, a quesadilla right, right, right when we got home and um, Olga was like, well, Nurk just had something spicy to say. And obviously it, it was those comments that, that we went over. Uh, Sage, I think Yusuf Nurkic is the biggest question. It's not CJ McCollum. I, I think it's Yusuf Nurkic. He said the contract's not guaranteed. The Blazers will pick up that whatever guaranteed it is. They're, they're not going to let him walk. So he is under, for all intents and purposes, he is under contract for one more season. What do you, if, if your GM Sage, not what do you think we'll do? If your GM Sage, what do you do with, with Yusuf Nurkic? Because I think he is the most polarizing player that, that we have in terms of what he can bring, but what he can, I mean, just the, the floor and the ceiling with Nurk is so, it's so it's, high. Yeah. Grand Canyon wide. Yeah. It's the high, it's probably the highest standard deviate. Well, yes. Third highest. High variation. Yeah. Well, I think Ben Simmons and Jamal Murray might have a higher floor to ceiling, but it's really high for a big. I mean, I would, I have to do, you have to do your due diligence. Like if there's a better fit and you can get that better fit with Yusuf, I'd do it. I don't, he's like far from untouchable in my eyes, but it's, I don't want to trade him just to trade him because he is a very good basketball player. But if you can get someone who can fit better, that's a little bit more healthy and plays more games and fits better with the team, then I would do it. 
we're talking right after the season's over. And this may change. I think if you are trying to get this all-star player, I think you're probably going to have to throw. Oh, yeah, your, you probably have to do D- CJ and Nurk. CJ and Nurk. To, and to then have. picks. So I, I would. Yeah. Um, if, if, if him getting traded gets us name a player that's great, you do it. And then you you put the – the hardest part of roster building is the superstar. You can You can fit players – that aren't superstars around them much easier than it is to find the alpha. I also think in today's NBA, the center position is easily the least. You valuable. have to be transcendently good. You have, you have to be Jokic. Jojo or That's jo- it. Jokic. not even Embiid. Embiid can't stay healthy. So it's Jokic or just put a defensive minded big. What I what I was saying is the, the unless you're Nikola Jokic, I, I don't think you need uh, a really strong center. I think you need someone who's going to play defense, who's going to be durable, who's going to rebound, and who doesn't foul. Um, I mean, if we traded Yusuf and got a superstar win, I'd be fine with signing Aaron Baines for one Nerlens year five Noel's million. Noel's going to be a free agent too. I yeah. just give me Nerlens Noel, somebody who is going. Oh, absolutely. Touch the lob, play defense, rebound. Like we don't need. It'd be great to have a playmaker, but it's a luxury. It's a luxury, and we and can't honestly, afford that. Honestly, I am terrified at the thought of Max Nurk. Yeah, I'm terrified of, of a long term contract with Yusuf Nurkic. Like the durability concerns aside, I mean, then you have then, then we're talking about production. I, again, I'm trying to remove emotion out of it. I I, I really like Nurk. I love his swagger. Uh, since he came here, really, he's kind of played with a chip on our shoulder or his shoulder, and the things that he does does elevate us to another level. But yeah, I, I also just look at where he's progressed, and if I'm looking like the Nurk fever Nurk to where he is now at his age, I, I just would have thought he would have progressed a little bit further. Maybe the, probably, I mean, he had a devastating leg injury that could have set him back, but it just seems like there, there's always a certain injury or there's, you know, just questions of what Nurk you're going to get. Now, do you think a Phil Jackson or Greg Popovich can just untap that, that inner Bosnia beast? Maybe. And, and if you get the right coach, you roll with him because, again, there is a very high ceiling there and you don't have to trade for it. It's already in your pocket. So maybe you do a, a prove it year for, for Yusuf Nurkic and he gets that big contract or you package him. Um, but, but right now without knowing the coach, I, I think Portland probably just probably needs to move on. Like, I think we need, I think we need to shake things up. Um, I think everyone got a little too comfortable. Yeah. Uh, I mean, shit. The fact that Yusuf is in a position to get a lot of money shows how good people know he is. I mean, Andre Drummond, one of the best rebounders of a generation, got traded twice for nothing. You know what I mean? Like, centers aren't valued the way they were in the 90s. So there are cheap options that are fine NBA players in that position. So... If 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 Yusuf and CJ are the uh, the ingredients that needs to be traded away for that superstar, we have to do it. Like 
if CJ and Nurk were the way that we can get Carl Anthony Downs, we'd do it. <laughs> Anybody but Dame's on the table. Yeah. All right, Sage. I think that will wrap this episode up. No more fan questions. I think we've discussed enough of game six. We've already touched a little bit into our off-season thoughts. Uh, we will be back. As soon as news happens, we will be back. Um, as the Sage mentioned, you can find us. Uh, we'll be blogging on holybackboard.com. Uh, we'll have some exclusive content for our uh, Patreon subscribers. So we'll be doing this all off season long, probably the most pivotal off season of the era, maybe a, a, a couple of decades. I mean, it's, this is a huge off season in terms of where the Blazers go. Sage, why don't you wrap this bad boy up and uh, bring it on home? We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Himalaya Podcast, Dash Radio, Nothing But Net Radio, Tuesdays, Tuesdays, 4 to 5 Eastern, uh, 2 to 3 Pacific. Um, if you listen this far, you're a real one, and we're out of here. One quick thing. I just want to mention how brilliant Damian Lillard was for the series. We're talking about averages of 34 points, 10 rebounds, or 10 assists, 4 rebounds, 41% from 3 just think about taking that one bad game off and how much those statistics. I mean, would if, yeah, if you remove that out, and we're almost talking about a 40 point average. I mean, this dude, that, that outlier brings that points per game down quite a bit. Brought it every single night, 41 minute average. The only game he played under 40 minutes was that game for blowout. Otherwise he's giving you everything he has. I mean, do whatever it takes, man. Like get this guy some help. We will be here to talk with you all throughout the offseason long. Thank you so much for listening this season. We appreciate it. And we out. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go!